Hey there, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast, bonus episode number 132, exploring with the Institute of International Education, uh, their new podcast and all the great work that they're up to. Uh, so we have two uh, amazing guests, uh, Nora Namath and Mirka Martell, uh, that work at IIE, uh, the abbreviation for the Institute of International Education. So very timely, you know, there's a lot of international topics uh, grabbing headlines lately and I was just really grateful for the opportunity. It's you'll hear me say it again, another in a string of kind of topics that we've not explored on the podcast. So the trend continues this year and just also great that they've been uh, dipping their feet into the podcasting world as well. Um, I'll give a couple of brief notes. Uh, there was a little bit of a technical issue with the intros for each of our guests, but if you go into the show notes, uh, there are links to get a little bit more insight into each of their uh, backgrounds. So uh, apologies for that, but just happens every once in a while. So, uh, just cut out that portion. Uh, but the rest of the episode is there. It is incredible. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, a bonus episode number 132, exploring the impact of international education. So yeah, I'm really excited to explore this topic. It's not something that we've covered on the podcast much uh, before. And I mean, I'm de definitely somebody who, um, while I've not partaken in that sort of uh, experience as a student or anything uh, myself, I uh, definitely have a fond admiration for uh, knowing the really big impact that that can have for uh, for students, and you know they go and have uh, experience somewhere else in the world, and they bring that back. But certainly, just you know, I'm sure this your your work you know spans where it's you know anybody traveling to any other country and just sort of uh, those sort of exchanges just being so valuable for kind of all parties involved. So um, just to make sure that we do kind of have a common baseline for what we're talking about here. Uh, Mirka, I'll go to you for this one really quickly. If you just want to explain mm -hmm. a bit about what the Institute of International Education, IIE, uh, does exactly. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so IIE, or the Institute of International Education, has actually been around for over 100 years. Uh, we just had our 100-year anniversary last year. Um, and it was really found on the premise that international exchange, um, particularly in education, can make the world a safer and more interconnected place. Um, and so what we do is we work on programs. We administer a lot of international exchange and leadership and development programs um, to really advance academics and advance scholarship to build economies and also to promote access to higher education. Access to higher education, of course, is not the same around the world. Um, and so we also are furthering opportunities for individuals to get higher education access um, opportunity. And so what we do is we work with a range of, of uh, sponsors and donors, include corporations, uh, foundations, governments across the globe. And we design and we manage scholarship programs, um, study abroad programs, workforce training, and leadership development programs. And again, um, my, my unit, what we do is we specifically then study those programs um, and others to understand a little bit what the trends are, and then also to look at what the impact of these um, initiatives may be. Yeah, that's really great. And I mean, that's... Uh... So half the battle, very important uh, piece of it is uh, uh, doing the kind of the research and the measurement and uh, assessment of everything. And I guess just to clarify my understanding, too, I think with like creating those bridges kind of across the world for um, furthering uh, one's education, I know and totally correct me if I'm wrong, I may be like to totally off base here, but, um, you know, in certain countries, there just isn't... Um, 
you know, the United States uh, higher education system is very robust in a lot of institutions, a lot of different programs and those sort of things. So uh, with that access piece, I guess it, it may be depending on what someone wants to study or when they want to study, if there's just not the space or uh, not the type of program that they're looking for, just creating those bridges and pathways. Um, I guess, is that just like one kind of piece of the puzzle in terms of access is literally like this wouldn't be able to have the access, you know, otherwise just because of like the availability of like different types of programs. Yeah, exactly. And that'll actually get us a little bit into the topic today, because one of the programs that we looked at specifically wanted to bridge this um, gap and wanted to address this gap and really looked at individuals who otherwise would not have this option. Um, We actually did this program or this program was administered in over 20 countries um, and really providing individuals with an option to um, to study uh, in areas uh, or among populations that usually would not have or predominantly do not have access to higher education. And I guess my point there, like in my head, because I'm like, yeah, like a lot of these countries do have their own higher education systems that just, you know, may just have limits, you know, and it may be that like, well, I really want to study this thing. And the best place to study it would be, you know, in another country um, and those sort of things. So, um, yeah. And I think the other thing is also just thinking about populations. Sometimes higher education systems in a lot of countries are very limited. We're lucky in the United States, we have a really large higher education system. But there are, you know, there are countries where the number of universities is very limited. So as a result, the number of people who can go to a university is then really limited. And it's um, not only kind of picking the field that you want and making sure that you might be able to study it, but it's also, frankly, just having the opportunity to do so. Because what might happen is, um, you know, only certain um certain members of of different populations that will be able to study and you have really like an equity issue. Um, And it might mean that you have to look outside of the country to have a university experience. Yeah, because I guess it's like in America, the only time I've ever heard of it, like, you know, you might have like a small private liberal arts that's like out in the woods somewhere. And they are just kind of <laughs> like, you know, it's it's a residential experience because like you, you can't commute here really or like, you know, uh, they just can kind of hit caps. But yeah, like higher ed is just a uh, uh, in America, I guess as many things are in America, just kind of like, just, you know, very big, like, you know, and sometimes it's just like, yeah, we could be bursting at the seams, like, you know, that's, you know, kind of overclock ourselves and uh, that sort of thing, just because, you know, the, the scale can come with its uh, own benefits, I guess. But um, yeah. so, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'm really excited to talk about, you know, that piece of the work that uh, you all are doing that is uh, the International Fellowship Program uh, and a new podcast between two worlds that is sort of uh, sort of building upon your efforts there. So we'll go to you, Nora, for this one. If you just want to talk about what the uh, International Fellowship Program (IFP) is and uh, what that new podcast is all about. Between 2001 and 2013, the Ford Foundation International Fellowships Program, or IFP, supported graduate and postgraduate level education for over 4,000 emerging social justice leaders from 22 countries. And uh, the Ford Foundation provided for. 117 million U.S. dollars in funding resources for IFP, which was the single single largest program commitment in its history. And this um, these uh, fellowships were geared towards emerging grassroots leaders and social innovators. Um, and and um, 
what was really interesting is that IFP was based on an inclusive higher education model. So they prioritized social commitment over traditional selection criteria. And uh, the underlying assumption was that given the right tools, socially committed individuals from various disadvantaged communities would succeed in postgraduate studies and they would advance social change upon returning home. And um, it's really interesting that IFP alumni represent a very wide range of groups um, who, as Mirka mentioned, would traditionally be excluded from higher education opportunities, either based on their gender, their race, ethnicity, religion, economic and other um, and educational backgrounds, or possibly due to a physical disability. And um, the IFP alumni tracking study was administered by IIE um, and supported by the foundation. And uh, we, through this study, we are currently um, assessing the impacts of the program. It was launched in 2013, and it's a 10-year longitudinal study. And uh, we're uh, excited to explore the accomplishments of IFP alumni and to really analyze the impact they've had on their own communities. So if we go into the podcast, which we recently released, it's called Between Two Worlds. Um, and what we found is that um, the alumni uh, who received this fellowship uh, continue to uh continue to exhibit a level of commitment to social justice at home and also around the world. So for this particular study upon which the podcast is based, we did something very new in the world of monitoring and evaluation, which is that we focused our efforts on measuring impact among alumni who chose to stay abroad after their fellowship experience. And we found that these alumni who did not return home are still giving back to their communities, uh, both back home and in their new locations. And they're continually focused on their social justice work. Uh, it was interesting to see that uh, over 90% of these alumni remained committed to working in their original chosen field of social justice. And, um, so what this really highlighted for us is that, of course, as we all know, we're living in a globalized world, and uh, it's really special that this fellowship program was designed uh, to evaluate global impact, which we think uh, other scholarship programs should be designed to do, rather than just focusing on impact back at home, as many uh, scholarship programs often do. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's fascinating. I think just... Uh the idea of people um, staying, because I think, you know, that's probably part of it for some people if like whatever program they might be a part of or, you know, if they just like did study abroad for like a semester or something where it's like they feel like, oh, my God, like, you know, if I could only be here for longer, there's so much more work that I'd want to do and all that. And that like a lot of people do choose to do that because like it, it just they found, you know, a kind of a calling or, you know, they've just uh, resonate with the culture in that country, you know, any any number of reasons. But um, and I think you know, it's a really smart way, like one, again, just like all of this sort of research and assessment that you all are doing to just uh, really be able to capture that impact and uh, kind of show your work sort of thing of what you're, you're helping these folks to do. Uh, but then really smart to also do a podcast. Obviously, I'm kind of biased, I guess, like I just love a good podcast. But like, I guess maybe talk to me a little bit about like, what made you 
you know, want to pursue that. Cause I, I mean, I talk with people about like starting podcasts all the time and it, you know, on one hand it's pretty easy. There's maybe like a little bit of a slight learning curve and, you know, you maybe could have just like put out a written report, which I'm sure you may still do, but like, you know, the podcast does add a little bit more of like a dynamic nature to it. So maybe just kind of the story around like choosing to do that and kind of getting that out uh, for people to engage with. Yeah, maybe I can I can jump in here. Um, mm -hmm. It was a great idea. I think um, we've, um, as Nora mentioned, this study is going on for so many years, and we've written a lot of those reports already. Um, and so we really put our heads together. And another one of the podcast hosts, uh, Bridget Berry, who's a research specialist on my team, um, kind of said, you know, why don't we do something a little bit different this time around? And why don't we think about taking the data um, and presenting it in a different way rather than just in a report. Um, and it was really new. Uh, we learned so much, Dustin, as you must know, um, really preparing data, preparing content for a podcast is a bit different than writing a report. Um, but it just gave us so much freedom. Um, the ability for us to have a dialogue within the podcast with each other, um, Bridget and Nora speak to each other a lot of the times, especially especially in the last episode. Um, also being able to just hear directly from the IFP alumni. Um, so when you have a, a report, sure, you can have written quotes and photos. Um, but in this sense, we were able to actually hear from them directly um, through our interviews with them. So it was so special to, to have their voices come through as well. Yeah, and I think that's, that's the idea. Like you're literally hearing people's voice and... Uh you know, having those conversations and uh, hearing their stories. And uh, I think it's, for me, like what I always love about like audio content, just generally in whatever format you're using it for, for like, you know, learning or uh, any of those sort of things. Like it, it, you know, there's a warmness to it. Like you're getting that personal feel. Then I think it's a little bit more portable than uh, video. Cause you know, like a lot of people, it's like, Oh, I listen to it in the car or, you know, I'm doing laundry or dishes or whatever, you know, versus like, okay, I've got to like sit down and just like watch this video. And there's certain things that are going to lend themselves to be far better suited for uh, a video. But, you know, for a lot of things, especially like this, of like storytelling, I think podcasts are such a great medium for that. So I'm uh, glad you all might've got, you know, got over any initial learning curves and stuff like that. And, you know, I've been able to get this out uh, into the world. So uh, yeah, just commend you all on that work and uh, uh, excited for folks to uh, go check it out. But um, and uh, yeah, we'll stick with you um, and then go over to you, Nora, start with you on this one, uh, Mirka. But, um, you know, we're talking a lot about like the work that you all are doing, sort of the nuts and bolts of, you know, these exchange programs and analyzing and researching and podcasts and term paper, you know, kind of uh, summaries of like the work that you all are doing. But um, when it gets down to it, like, you know, just I guess speaking for yourself or like, you know, what makes this work so crucial right now, especially like during this current moment? Uh, it's a great question. Uh, I think I think about it all the time in the past um, 18 months. It's been uh, quite challenging, as you can imagine. Our work has always focused on person to person interaction and people to people mobility. Um, and so we've had to kind of um, redefine and, and look at those definitions that we've had, um, even in um, scholarship and exchange programs, for example. And so really looking at how the person-to-person -person experience um, is really a lot of different things. And there is something so special to be said about an in-person exchange and people traveling across borders. 
But over the 18, past 18 months, travel has not been possible. And we've seen just incredible work being done, um, not only programs going virtual and kind of bridging that gap, but also what we saw in this study, which is that people um, and their efforts and their, their continued work um, on topics like social justice doesn't stop. And these alumni who are not currently in their country and who might not be able to help with pandemic-related issues are doing so from other places because that commitment never goes away um, and that connection to back home never goes away. So to Nora's point, kind of thinking about the globalized world we live in and how um, the pandemic, frankly, has pushed that even further to challenge us and to think about how can we create these connections um, in a way that might not work right now because we can't travel in person, but we can still make those connections um, in a virtual world. And just being thankful for that, uh, being able to connect. Um, you know, this these last two weeks have been really hard, um, for example, with the Afghanistan crisis. I mean, we have mm -hmm. students who are coming in from Afghanistan to study. We have um, alumni and fellows who are there. Um, and there is so much that we're facing right now, again, around what is mobility? What does mobility look like? How can we work with these individuals? But how can we also make sure that those virtual connections continue? Um, and how can we support them in any way that we possibly can? Nora, do you want to add anything? Sure, sure. And certainly to Mirka's point about maintaining these connections, we really saw um, that alumni were really enthusiastic to maintain um, their connections with other alumni, with people back in their home countries, and with alumni from other countries as well, and, and how they sought to work together to solve various problems, various challenges, um, and to support uh, people coming from disadvantaged communities to provide, even to provide scholarship opportunities in certain cases. So it's really exciting for us to see the ongoing work in these areas. Yeah. And I mean, that's like something I've thought a lot about is like, there's so many aspects in our life of like, what we've had to do without, but it makes it that much more important to us, you know, that idea of like, oh, wow, it's hard to travel and like connect with people in person like we normally would, but it like, just compounds like, man, like, I really miss that. Like, it makes it seems so much more important. And then the idea that we're going through a truly global event uh, with the pandemic. And then, um, yeah, I mean, there's these kind of big international stories, certainly as of the recording of this one, uh, right, kind of in the immediate aftermath of uh, things in Afghanistan, really taking a big shift. And uh, but I'm also thinking of like, you know, Haiti and all that, where it's just like, you know, uh, they, for us in America, like trying to be uh, good neighbors to them and uh, supporting them, like, you know, because especially now it's just the idea of like anything that you get, there's probably like pieces of it that come from another country, you know, or like mm -hmm. it was built somewhere or whatever. Like, so just like, you know, whatever you like, whatever food you enjoy, whatever like stuff you buy, whatever, like we're in a truly global society. Like in the mm -hmm. same thing with the, um, Oh, what was it? It was the canal with the ship that got, you know, mm -hmm. stuck and stuff like that, where it's just like, yep. So then it's like, I don't know, like Starbucks doesn't have your favorite coffee because that like, <laughs> right. you know, ship got stuck, you know, like, yeah. that's just like the world we live in now. So, um, and yeah, I mean, so it's just, this work is that much more important to like, keep those bridges like open and, you know, flowing and, 
really trying to capture like why this work is important to learning that happens and sharing that out and all of that. So, um, yeah. And, and I think Dustin, the one other thing I would say, and, you know, I know you love podcasts cause you have a podcast, but the thing we've learned about podcasts as a medium is so powerful too. Um, not only in us being able to collect this data. So we spoke to over 60 alumni across the world. I mean, we were speaking to people that were in Peru in Indonesia in um, various parts of Africa, and we got to speak to them and we got to have them on record um, to share their stories. So it's powerful in that sense, right? Like, yeah, we could have taken a plane to all these places, but that's not possible. A, it's not possible right now. We were supposed to do these focus groups in person, but honestly, we couldn't uh, because of the travel ban. So then it was like, all right, let's listen to these people. Let's hear from these people. And we were able to do it because of technology, um, which is just so amazing. And then also to be able to then share their voices. So this podcast that we did, I mean, it's not something that, you know, only those in the U.S. can listen to. Um, we share it with all of our alumni around the world and they can all listen to it. So um, it, it is really special, not only, yeah, the findings and the research, but also the medium in which we did it, because I think it provides access not only to hear those voices, but to also have those voices heard around the world. And so, you know, there's a lot happening, you know, always, I'm sure, but it's always just that whatever current moment, it just feels like, oh my gosh, there's so much going on. But, you know, uh, you know, you all are doing this great work and, you know, committing towards building towards a, a better future for, for all of us. So, uh, I'll start with you, Nora, on this one, but I'm um, always just like to kind of gauge kind of like, what are you excited about for the future of this work of things that maybe are uh, just kind of cooking right now that you're uh, sort of focused on or just anything else that you are uh, excited about? Well, I'm always excited to speak with the alumni and and to learn about their pathways and to learn about their future plans and to, to see the various initiatives in which they're involved um, and just just to hear about their future plans. So for this particular study, just seeing where they will head next is, is always interesting to see and and what new projects they will be involved in um, and just, I guess, seeing the how, how they're able to adapt to various situations. So COVID, as, as we spoke about as well during the pandemic times and in the future challenges that we we continue to see and and just how they intervene in these situations in their own countries or in, or in the new communities where they live on the ground and and through whether it's through grassroots efforts or through uh, government initiatives um, just the variety of of interventions that there are and the variety of involvement that they exhibit um, is con- continues to be very exciting and and I'm sure Mirka will mention but that we will continue to um, survey these alumni um, and and conduct qualitative research as well in the coming months. I think for me, what's exciting is something we uncovered uh, here that Nora already spoke about, um, which is really the commitment that individuals have uh, to their home communities, no matter where they are. Um, Traditionally, a lot of international scholarship programs really worry about um, kind of what's sometimes called the brain drain issue, which is that you're going to give an individual an opportunity to leave the country to study elsewhere, and then they'll never come back. 
Um, and this is a huge concern uh, for people. It's a concern that has to do uh, with things well beyond education, um, but it's a concern. It's a concern everywhere. And what we found with this study and what this study is really showing um, is that, you know, impact happens everywhere. Um, and even when individuals can't go back or choose not to go back for various reasons, they're never going to lose that commitment to their home country. Um, and so what we, ad- what we actually found and we, what we hope that people who um, want to do international scholarship programs, who want to fund international scholarship programs or participate in international scholarship programs, just to think about impact in a global sense and not to just define the one-way trajectory there and then the return home, but to think more globally about what impact can look like in this world. Um, And again, looking at the current state of things where a pandemic has made it impossible for some people to travel or go back to their countries, where we have strife in places like Afghanistan or Haiti, and there might be displaced people. Just, you know, having that, that hope that their commitment to their countries never goes away. Uh, And even if they choose to study in different countries or they choose to pursue different paths, that those commitments are going to be there and that that impact is there from a from a global perspective. So just shedding shedding light on that a little bit. And I guess like I'm like an optimist of like, you know, yeah, because I I imagine uh, the worry is that like America would sort of brain drain from all these other countries because we have. Uh, more of these educational opportunities and you know, students end up uh, staying here after they graduate. But um, I think if you, I don't know, I guess, again, my optimistic side is to put it plainly, I guess I'm like, I hope that it would sort of balance out that like you'd have people in America mm-hmm. that also want to go to these other countries and stuff. So I feel like you're really building these robust bridges and like encouraging people and facilitating them, uh, you know, in a way that, uh, you know, that is kind of consistent sort of exchanges and everything that like, it would, it would sort of balance out. Like you're getting bright people from, you know, each country to go, you know, to the other and those sort of things. But um, Mm -hmm. so, uh, yeah, but. um, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And it is just such a global exchange. Um, And it's not only the U.S., right? I think um, there's a lot of other places uh, in Europe and otherwise that have become uh, really emerging destinations for students. So it's also just thinking about um, not just the one-on-one exchange, but thinking just about the global marketplace, if you will, for education and the fact that these opportunities are out there um, and that individuals will take them, um, but also that they will continue to live in a world where they do care about their home and they're about their home country. um, And they will often give back uh, without necessarily going back. Yeah. Um, And so, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, all the things we've talked about, like the or- your organization uh, and the podcast are uh, just amazing resources uh, in this sort of uh, sphere and this uh, space. So uh, we'll be linking out to those, of course, and uh, ways to connect with you all. But, um, you know, we always just like to kind of share out any other resources, you know, books, uh, other podcast articles or uh, things like that. Um, and I guess we'll uh, start with you, Nora, on this one. Um, yeah, just any resources that you could share that we could include in the show notes. Certainly. So uh, we encourage everyone to visit our website, iie.org. 
and we'll share the uh, direct link to the IFP alumni tracking study where you can take a look at our various publications and learn more about the alumni themselves. Um, and then of course the link to the podcast. Um, so that's something we would definitely recommend taking a look at. And at the same time, you can also just hear more about our work. Um, if you just go on IIE.org and look at research and insights, um, not only the IFP study, but other uh, research projects we have just looking at the international higher education uh, landscape and uh, learning more about resources if you're interested in the topics we discussed today. Great stuff. Um, yeah, we'll absolutely link out to all of that. Uh, but we always like to end the episodes with any kind of final thought or call to action on this topic. Uh, so Mirka, we'll stay with you uh, to start this one. So um, yeah, anything that you'd want to share to kind of close out the episode? Yeah, I appreciate you inviting us. Um, I appreciate having the opportunity to share uh, information about the podcast through another podcast. Um, loving the the kind of chain that we're creating here. Um, I am always thinking about uh, the future of our work and where international education is going. I think it's been a really tough uh, almost two years, uh, but there's also been a lot of silver linings. And I think studies like this show us that um, international education is really resilient. I think it's not going anywhere. It will be around um, and that we really have to look at and, and provide um, this evidence to show that people-to-people uh, -people exchange, whether physical or virtual, will continue, and that those connections uh, will continue to be really strong, and that promoting um, education in all corners of the world is going, to, um, is going to be really important moving forward. Thank you again for having us today, and um, uh, I am really excited about exploring these new channels and avenues to share um, our work about international education and, and, and research that we've conducted to evaluate the impact of, of these uh, fellowship recipients. And, and I, I look forward to exploring others' podcasts as well. And, and congratulations on your series. And I wish you the best as well. Oh, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, I know I, I went to this, um, there's a conference like Podcast Movement and uh, I heard multiple times, like the best way to get like more listeners to your podcast is to be on other podcasts. Like, so that is just like, there's always like a chain of, uh, you know, uh, everybody kind of guesting on each other's shows and uh, yeah, always just appreciate having fellow podcasters. They just kind of, you know, get it in a different way. But uh, yeah, I mean, just if nothing else, I mean, this topic again is so timely and so important and I uh, just appreciate you all uh, for jumping on and uh, doing this good work and, uh, sharing all that you did. And like I said, we'll have uh, ways to connect with you and uh, all the work that you're doing in the show notes as usual. But yeah, just thanks again to you both. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening. And we'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek podcast.